Recently, a uh, rather famous preacher made these comments. He said, the Ten Commandments have no authority over you. None. And then he doubled down and he said, to be clear, thou shalt not obey the Ten Commandments. And um, as you might expect, his statements fell a little bit out of the mainstream, we might say, of Christian thought. And so a whole bunch of people piled on and confronted him online and elsewhere over his comments. And he tried to backtrack and he said, well, I never really said what I said. And I thought, well, yeah, you did. You actually put it in a book, you know. And it reminds me of like when Charles Barkley a few years ago wrote his autobiography and he said something controversial and and um, then he tried to backtrack and he said, well, I was misquoted in my autobiography, you know. <laughs> Not sure what to do with that, actually. But, uh, you know, at the very least, the, this preacher's statements about the Ten Commandments, at the very least, they're, they're confusing. And at the worst, they're intentionally misleading. And I, I have a, a feeling, a theory, actually, that he's actually trying to Take his congregation like a frog in a kettle where you turn it up degree by degree and eventually the frog boils and doesn't know it. I believe he may be trying to take his congregation to a point where they will accept all kinds of unbiblical teachings by eventually pitting what the Bible says against his version of Jesus. And, uh, and I hope that's not true, but it, it raises a point that I wanted to address today, and that, that is, how, do, how should we understand the Ten Commandments? I mean, are they for today? Or was it just something that happened a long time ago with God and Moses up on a mountain and having a private discussion, and it really only affected Israel and really isn't for Christians today? Uh, so what should our view of the Ten Commandments really be? Well, I think the best place to start would be to read at actually read the Ten Commandments. So if you take your Bible and turn to Exodus chapter 20, Exodus chapter 20, and I'm going to invite you, because we're going to read through um, this passage, I'm going to invite you to stand with me, please, in honor of the reading of God's Word. So we're going to read all about the Ten Commandments and the people's reaction after the Ten Commandments, and then uh, we'll come back and make a few points. In Exodus chapter 20, Exodus, by the way, is the second book in your Bible, in the chapter 20, verse 1. And I, today, by the way, I'll be reading from the New American Standard Bible. Uh, usually, I've been going with the Christian Standard Bible, which is a, a fairly new version, but um, I'm a little bit old-fashioned when it comes to the Ten Commandments, you know? And, um, and the Christian Standard Bible says, do not do these things, and that just lacks a little bit of umph. There, you know. And so, I mean, if we really wanted to get old school, we'd do the King James, thou shalt not, you know. But, but we're, we're going to go with the New American Standard, and it, and it tells us, you shall not. Okay, so it does modernize it just a little bit. Uh, but today I will be uh, reading from the New American Standard Bible. Verse 1, then God spoke all these words, saying, I am the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery, you shall have no other gods before me. You shall not make for yourself an idol or any likeness of what is in heaven above or on the earth beneath or in the water under the earth. You shall not worship them or serve them. For I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God, visiting the iniquity of the fathers on the children 
on the third and the fourth generations of those who hate me, but showing loving kindness to thousands, to those who love me and keep my commandments. You shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain, for the Lord will not leave him unpunished who takes his name in vain. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh is a Sabbath of the Lord your God. In it you shall not do any work, you or your son or your daughter, your male or your female servant, or your cattle, or your sojourner who stays with you. For in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth, the sea, and all that is in them, and rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. Honor your father and your mother, that your days may be prolonged in the land which the Lord your God gives you. You shall not murder. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not bear false witness against your neighbor. You shall not covet your neighbor's house. You shall not covet your neighbor's wife, or his male servant, or his female servant, or his ox, or his donkey, or anything that belongs to your neighbor. All the people perceived the thunder and the lightning flashes and the sound of the trumpet and the mountain smoking. And when the people saw it, they trembled and stood at a distance. Then they said to Moses, Speak to us yourself and we will listen, but let not God speak to us or we will die. Moses said to the people, Do not be afraid, for God has come in order to test you and in order that the fear of him may remain with you so that you may not sin. So the people stood at a distance while Moses approached the thick cloud where God was. Heavenly Father, I pray that you grant us understanding of your word today so that we might live it out. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. So the question is, are the Ten Commandments relevant today? I mean, did, did Jesus just sort of cancel out the Ten Commandments when he brought a new covenant to us? Is that what happened? You know, did did Jesus sort of uh, just extinguish the relevancy of the Ten Commandments for us today? Well, let's see what Jesus said about him. In the Sermon on the Mount, in uh, Matthew chapter 5, Jesus said these words in verses 17 and following. Do not presume that I came to abolish the law or the prophets. I did not come to abolish but to fulfill. For truly I say to you, until heaven and earth pass away, not the smallest letter or stroke of a letter shall pass from the law until all is accomplished. Therefore, whoever nullifies one of the least of these commandments and teaches others to do the same shall be called least. In the kingdom of heaven. But whoever keeps and teaches them, he shall be called great in the kingdom of heaven. Okay, so Jesus makes it very clear. The Ten Commandments are not abrogated, they are not extinguished, they are not eliminated. But Jesus said he came to fulfill them. And at the end of this message, we'll talk about what Jesus meant. When he said he came to fulfill the Ten Commandments. But first, 
I want to go back and I want to look a little more closely at these Ten Commandments, if indeed they are not uh, extinguished, if their application and relevancy is not just to be, you know, tossed aside, if they still have some relevancy for our lives, then I think we need to look at them just a little bit closer. And we'll do it very quickly, but I want you to understand that sometimes, as we read those Ten Commandments, sometimes God let certain commandments stand on their own, and then sometimes God gave additional reasonings for obeying the Ten Commandments, or warnings for disobeying the Ten Commandments. So let's go back and see what God said again. Commandment number one, no other gods. You shall have no other gods before me. Now, on this commandment, God did not give any qualifiers. He didn't give any explanation. He didn't give any reasoning. It stands on his own. It's as if God is simply saying, don't do it. Just don't. And so, every one of these Ten Commandments, by the way, except one, is repeated for Christians to obey in the New Testament. And even commandment number one, having no other gods before God, the Lord our God, it's repeated in the New Testament. In 1 Corinthians chapter 8, We read, yet for us, there is only one God, the Father, from whom are all things, and we exist for Him. And one Lord, Jesus Christ, by whom are all things, and we exist through Him. And so here we have in the New Testament a very clear teaching that we worship God. One God. He is the triune God. And we worship Him. Commandment number two. No idols. What's the difference between number one and number two? Well, no idols means something that you possess. Something that you have maybe created with your own hands. Some item in your possession. Something that you think is yours. And... What God says with commandment number two is, do not take any of your possessions, especially anything created to be a a, a false god. Do not take any of these things and make it so important that it displaces me from your life. And God gives a reason for number two. God tells us why we should not have idols He says, essentially, I am jealous. I'm a jealous God. Now, a lot of times this confuses people because when you and I think about being jealous, uh, we we get jealous because someone else has something we want. You know, we covet something else. Oh, look at that car. I'm so jealous of him. Oh, look at his wife. Oh, you know, look at all the money in his bank account. Look at all these things, you know. So I'm jealous of this person. I'm envious of this person. But you need to understand that's not what God means when he talks about him being jealous. Because there is not a, a, a thing in the universe, seen or unseen, there's not a being in the universe that has something that God doesn't have. God owns it all. Okay? And so God does not covet anything. He has it all. What God means when he says, I'm jealous, he's saying this, 
He's saying, I'm your creator. I'm the one who, who made you. I'm the one who blessed you. I'm the one who has brought you salvation. I'm the one who has saved you from sin. And you're going to devote yourself to something that's in your own hands? Something, a blessing that I gave you? You're going to become overly devoted to a car? Overly devoted to a house? A bass boat? Overly devoted to something in your own hands, to that 401k? Do not displace me. I deserve first place. And so when God says, I'm a jealous God, he's basically insisting to us that we place him where he belongs, which is on the throne of our hearts. Anything other than that. Is just wrong. And God does not like that. Commandment, oh, by the way, the New Testament repeats this as well. It says in 1 John chapter 5, Little children, guard yourself from idols. Guard yourself. There's always that temptation that the blessings that God has given you can become an idol that actually displaces God. So guard yourself. From idols. Commandment number three, no taking the Lord's name in vain. Here God gives us a reason again. I will punish you if you do. And, and God makes it very clear that if we take the Lord's name in vain, he will punish us. Now normally when we talk about taking the Lord's name in vain, we know what it means. I won't say it out loud. But it means saying God's name as if it's a curse word. You know, and, and that is a way to take the Lord's name in vain. But we also take the Lord's name in vain if, if we, having God's name upon us, within us, as believers, we live like the world and we cause those that don't know God to curse His name. They look at our lives and they say, oh, if that's the way a, a Christ follower is, then I want nothing to do with Christ. That would be us taking the Lord's name in vain, where someone can diminish the glory and majesty of God because we are poor reflectors of His glory. The New Testament tells us or warns us about this as well. In 1 Timothy 6, this is actually a command to slaves in that day. To obey their masters. And Paul tells Timothy this. All who are under the, yoke of sla- under the yoke as slaves are to regard their own masters as worthy of all honor. So that the name of God and our doctrine will not be spoken against. Wow, if that's true of someone who's under a, a terrible yoke of slavery that they were to obey their human masters so that God's name would be honored. How much more should that be true of us with all of our freedoms that we enjoy? Commandment number four, remember the Sabbath day. And God gives us a reason for this. Essentially, he says, because I made everything in six days and I rested on the seventh. It's a pretty good pattern to follow. 
And so this is the reason for it. Now, this is the one command that is not repeated in the New Testament as a command. Christians are free from having to observe the Jewish Sabbath. This is where we would depart from our Seventh-day Adventist friends. Uh, I think they misunderstand this. But in the New Testament, there's no command to obey the Jewish Sabbath. Instead, what we have is an understanding in Hebrews chapter 4 that Jesus Christ is our Sabbath rest. And in verse 10 of of that chapter, it says, For the one who has entered his rest has himself also rested from his works. In other words, we don't have to strive to try to please God. We don't have to bemoan the fact that we haven't pleased God in the past. But rather, we can rest in the full assurance that through our faith, Jesus Christ has pleased God. And so we please the Lord through faith. In Colossians chapter 2, verse 16, we are explicitly released from Sabbath rules because Jesus himself has become our Sabbath rest. And by the way, because we are released from the Jewish Sabbath, we are to understand the Jewish Sabbath as being part of the ceremonial law that God gave Israel. Those ceremonial laws we are also released from. Commandment number five. Honor your father and mother. God gives us a reason for that. He told Israel, because you will live long in the land that I give you. This is a promise from God, and it's repeated in the New Testament. In Ephesians chapter 6, we read, Children, obey your parents and the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother which is the first commandment with a promise. Oh, but Pastor David, my mom or my dad, they're, they're not cool. They're nerdy. They don't know anything. I'm a teenager. I know everything. Listen to me. The smartest thing you can do, since you're so wise, is to honor your father and your mother. God promises, I will give you long life. Commandment number six, no murder. It's off limits. Why? God doesn't say why. In other words, just don't do it. Don't murder people. First Peter chapter 4 says, Make sure that none of you suffers as a murderer or thief, or evildoer, or a troublesome meddler. Commandment number seven, no adultery. Again, no explanation. Just don't do it. The New Testament says, Marriage is to be held in honor among all, and the marriage bed is to be undefiled, for God will judge the sexually immoral and adulterers. Commandment number eight, no stealing. Why? No reason. Just don't do it. The New Testament says the one who steals must no longer steal, but rather he must labor, 
producing with his own hands what is good, so that he will have something to share with the one who has need. Commandment number nine, no lying. Why? No reason, just don't do it. The Bible says in Revelation 21, But for the cowardly and unbelieving and abominable and murderers and sexually immoral persons and sorcerers and idolaters and all liars, their part will be in the lake of fire, of the lake that burns with fire and brimstone, which is the second death. Commandment number 10, no coveting. The New Testament says, Therefore, treat the parts of your earthly body as dead to sexual immorality, impurity, passion, evil desire, and greed, which amounts to idolatry. Again, not a reason given in Exodus 20. Just don't do these things. And so we've dug a little bit deeper into the Ten Commandments, and still the question remains, well, what good are the Ten Commandments for me as a Christian? You know, sort of as I live out life, uh, why, should I, why should I really, you know, concern myself with the Ten Commandments, right? Well, a couple of reasons. Number one, the Ten Commandments can help you witness to other people. Did you know that? They can help you tell other people about Jesus. Why? Because the Ten Commandments point out to us all that we're sinners. They show every person that they've sinned against God, that they have not been able to live up to the Ten Commandments. Nobody except Jesus, has been able to live up to the Ten Commandments. Not even Moses, who they were given to. Nobody has been able to live up to the Ten Commandments. Go back over these again. No other gods. Have you ever put something else ahead of God in your life? I would say that most of us, if not all of us, have. We're guilty of number one. Have you ever given a little bit too much credence or too much focus on a possession that you own, an idol? that you have. Again, guilty as charged. Have you ever taken the Lord's name in vain? Have you ever said the Lord's name as a cuss word? Or have you ever lived such a, in such a way that other people were to diminish the name of God? We're guilty of number three. Remembering the Sabbath day, have you ever failed to rest in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior? And instead, thought, how can I ever please God? I have to work, I have to go to church, I have to tithe enough, I have to give enough, I have to be good enough, help enough little old ladies across the street. Somehow I need to be good enough for God instead of just simply resting in the goodness of Jesus Christ. We're guilty of number four. Have you ever dishonored your parents as a child or even as an adult? Have you ever dishonored your parents as a teenager? Oh, yeah. We're guilty of number five. Have you ever murdered someone? And uh, here's where a lot of us would say, hey, <laughs> I'm okay now. I'm okay. But you've got to remember how Jesus reinterpreted the Ten Commandments. In the, in the Sermon on the Mount, he talked about it being a heart, a heart issue. Have you ever hated somebody? Jesus said you've essentially committed murder in your heart. Have you ever hated anyone? Yeah, but they did this bad thing to me. Have you ever hated them? Have you ever failed to love your enemies? You're guilty of number six. Number seven, adultery. Have you ever lusted after someone that was not yours? You're guilty of number seven. Have you ever stolen anything? 
Anything? Cheated on test? Fudged on your income tax? You're guilty of number eight. Have you ever lied? If you tell me no, I've never lied. You're lying right now and we're in church. That's not good. <laughs> That's not good. Number 10. Here's, here's the big one. Number 10. Number 10 is the one no one can get away from. No coveting. See, all of the others, at least on the outside, they have to do with our actions toward other people or toward God. But number 10, it's only about the heart. Have you ever wanted something that's not yours? Number 10 will make you break numbers 1 through 9. That's how wicked the heart is. We've all broken number 10. I don't know about you, but I've broken about 10 of these. Okay? And not just once. And that's a problem. And so the Ten Commandments, when we, when we understand them, they tell us, we're sinners. And if someone is a sinner, what they need is a Savior. In fact, the only person that needs a Savior is a sinner. There might be a lot of people in your life right now who think they don't need Jesus. Maybe they don't understand how much they've actually sinned against God. So that's one reason the Ten Commandments can be useful to to you today. But there's a second reason, and it's about our relationships. The Ten Commandments are really about relationships. Commandments 1 through 4, it's all about loving God. All about loving God. 1 through 4, it's all about your relationship to God. Commandments 5 through through 10, it's about loving others. Jesus said it this way. In fact, the Old Testament says it this way as well. But Jesus said it this way. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. That's commandments one through four. If you love the Lord your God, you won't break commandments one through four. So what's our problem? Our problem is we don't love God enough. And we end up breaking one through four. And then Jesus said the second commandment is like the first. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. If you love your neighbor, if you love others, if you love your parents, you'll honor them. If you love others, you won't murder them or even hate them. If you love others, you won't commit adultery or even lust after them. You won't steal from them. You won't lie from them. And you won't even covet what is theirs. The Ten Commandments are all about loving God and loving others. And Jesus said, these two commandments sum up the whole law. So, are the Ten Commandments for today? Only if loving God and loving others is for today. And I would submit to you that there's not a day in which loving God and loving others is more relevant than today. Now, Back to the question that I left to the end. Jesus said, I came to fulfill the law. What does this mean? It means two things. It means, first of all, that Jesus obeyed the law perfectly. He obeyed it with all of his actions. In other words, he never took an action 
that disobeyed the Ten Commandments or any of the other commandments. There's over 600 other commandments after the Ten Commandments in the, in the Old Testament. Jesus never disobeyed any commandment. With his actions, he never disobeyed them with his words. He never even disobeyed them with his thoughts. Jesus obeyed God's law perfectly. The second thing that it means when Jesus said, I fulfilled the law, it means this. And this is so powerful. Do not miss this. It means that Jesus gives you the credit for what he did. All of the credit for obeying all of the commandments, every moment of every day of Jesus' life, all of that credit is given to you. Where does that leave Jesus? Here's where it leaves Jesus. All of your sinfulness, all of your disobedience to every one of the commandments, in every hour of every day that you've ever lived, all of that wickedness, according to God's standards, Jesus has taken it from you and he's placed it upon himself. And you might say, well, that's not fair. That's like, that's like taking a test that I didn't study for. And when the teacher hands back the grades, I get 100 and the kid that earned 100 gets my 30. That's not fair. No, it's not fair. But that's the way God has planned it. God has planned it. He has ordained it so that all of Jesus' righteousness is credited to your account. And all of your sinfulness is placed on Jesus. And here's what Jesus did with all of your sinfulness. Jesus made his way to a cross. And Jesus died on a cross. They put nails in his arms, nails in his feet. And he died a criminal's death on a cross. And what, he, what happened in the spiritual realm was all of your wickedness died with Jesus on the cross. And then they took Jesus and they wrapped up his dead body and they placed it in a cave and they rolled a giant rock in front of the cave so that it would be undisturbed. But Jesus defeated death. And Jesus came out of the, those cloths that he was wrapped up in. And he came out beyond that rock where the tomb was and an angel rolled that rock away Jesus defeated death for you and Jesus tells us that if we will believe what he has done for us that he died for our sins once for all the just, that's Jesus for the unjust, that's us having been put to death in the flesh, but made alive in the Spirit. 
and if we will trust Him as our Lord and Savior, then all of our sins can be completely forgiven. And you can walk for the rest of your life. In fact, not only for the rest of your life, you can walk for the rest of eternity with Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. Are the Ten Commandments relevant today? I would say so. Because you and I were sinners. And we have no other way to get the forgiveness of sins except through the one that traded his righteousness for our wickedness.